We are and always will be a nation of immigrants. This is my country, my damn country. Give me my country, you can keep the rest. Old men and women yearning for freedom and opportunity who leave their homelands and come to a new country to start their lives over. We were strangers once too. My country, my damn country. Give me my Hello, 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 aliens and allies. Your friendly Russian is here. This is Monday. This is We the Aliens podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Kapustina. Thank you for tuning in. I'm going to jump right into it because it's a long episode. It's going to be a long week and we are all going to need some comfort. And I hope I can provide some comfort food for your ears. Um, although it is another intense episode and we do talk about some heavy stuff, but I promise you we get to a hopeful note at the end and throughout. Hope is sprinkled all over. Um, this week I'm talking to Panamanian-American cinematographer Horacio Marquinez. He shot over 30 feature films in the U.S. and all over the world, including one of my personal favorites, Bobcat Goldthwait's World's Greatest Dad. And it's kind of a obscure movie. It was not, you know, a smashing hit of the box office. It was more of like a critic's favorite. But it is a really special movie. And I was beside myself excited when I found out that Horacio shot it. We talk about what it was like to work with the king of the clowns, Robin Williams, who is the star of the film. We also talk about the shadow of tragedy that is hanging over that film. And here's the first disclaimer of this episode. We do mention suicide. Um, and right away, a spoiler alert. If you haven't watched the world greatest dad we talk about the finale of the film but honestly i don't think it spoils it you're gonna love it or hate it no matter whether you know how it ends or not it's just that kind of a movie and i highly recommend that you watch it besides that horacio and i talk about family and opposing family to find your true self we touch on relationships and dating and what it was like to be a gay boy in Panama in the 70s. We talk about learning to trust yourself and how to get into Columbia Film School if you don't speak English. We also talk about Horacio's newest project that uh, he's creating with my dear friend, Russian filmmaker Kirill Miltsev. The project is called 2020 Americans, and it's a mixed media project. It's a documentary and series of black and white photos that take a snapshot of what the United States is today. The guys have been driving all around the country in the pre-election months and will continue driving around after the election until they collect 2020 photos and find out what it means to be American today. I'll be posting their uh, photos on my social media throughout this week and probably after because the pictures are amazing. And I'll put the links uh, to their project social media uh, in the show notes. But it's really easy to find uh, 2020 Americans on Instagram. Uh, you should follow them. And now 
my conversation with Horacio. My usual two first questions are, when did you come to the U.S.? And where did you come here from? I came uh, in 1992. I'm originally from Panama. Growing up in Panama, what was your family like? What was your world? My world was Panama City. Only child for mom and dad. They, were, they married very, very young, out of, out, literally out of high school. Uh-huh. And funny enough, I was not an accident. I was just like, oh, they were romantic and they got married and they have pictures of their weddings. And then, and then there was this boy. But this was a uh, 19-year-old girl and a 21-year-old boy, you know, getting married and having a baby. It was just like, of course, nine years later, it was just like completely in different places. So um, I was kind of like a very, um, a very rebel. I just wanted to do too many things and that was driving my mom crazy so she she packed me up and sent me to dad and uh so my core teenager day years i was with with dad and his his wife which is and what was it that you wanted to do that your mom was so frustrated with mom my dad also i was not clear but i needed to be with the arts with music, with acting. So I participated in every single extracurricular activities that existed in my, in my school. Were your parents in the arts as well? No, zero. My mom now, after, uh, after I'm, I'm adult and now that I sort of like get to know her as an adult, um, she's very, very artistic. My mom is a crafter. My dad was a banker. He was a president of the uh, Bank of Tokyo in Panama. Panama is a very important center, bank center in Panama. So. Oh, yeah. Russians know that. Russians know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> probably probably my, my dad has something to do with that. But he did not benefit, <laughs> unfortunately. He did not know how to get in the Capitalize truck. on that? He did not. I swear to God, he did not. <laughs> oh. Sadly, because <laughs> we, we would be talking in Russian right now, because that was really early when all this was happening in Panama. Mm. And so the funny thing is, um, what might what mark my life as me and as everything that I am right now is when I was 12 years old, I went into my middle school and high school and I got recruited, you know, the older guys and the older girls. They came in and they're like, oh, we have a choir, we have this, we have that, da, 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 da. and they just like, I got sucked in. And and, and I real, started realizing that, I, oh, I can sing, I can act, I can f- have friends. There was no such thing when I was growing up as uh, helicopter parents. You know, you just like, your dad is there, your mom is at home, and you just like, go and come back and do your life, do your thing. Uh, there's no like over overseeing Well, was there any expectation of you growing up? Um, the expectations are sort of established, but not. it never felt forced. Being like the older son, being the heir, something like that. No, I, I, I felt pretty free. But I mean, it's one of the things is I was, did not have the grades. But at the same time, I always, always, always enjoy school and always enjoy education. And I always love reading. So... In a way, it was sort of like my own. I was shaping my own way to learn. So was that like a normal school or was that a fancy-schmancy banker kid school? 
No, it was it was a public school, <laughs> but uh, they uh, it was a kind of a normal school, and yes, somehow it had a privilege. Um, they it was kind of a pilot school. They were trying different different programs in my school, so I think I benefited more than other schools uh, in that in that sense. So it was some sort of advanced magnet type public school. Yes, yes, correct. I feel that that really uh, shaped my 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 life in terms of. That's how I. That's when I learned how to speak in public and not be, not have fear of, of public speaking or singing or being in, on stage. That's when I felt the first time the rush of being on stage and people just like clapping and standing. Uh, uh, yeah, it, that 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 rush I felt it then, and and uh, and I experienced also because we travel with my choir and I was singing. I was doing solos in my choir, and uh, I experienced like going to a little country town where there was a school, all-girls school. That happened more than once, all-girls schools. And uh, the first time I experienced, I never forget that. I think I was like maybe 16. And we finished, we finished, we were going back to the bus. And this like massive amount of girls screaming and running towards us, like in the movies, like in the, the Beatles or something like that. You felt like I Elvis? Felt like, the Beatles, <laughs> like Elvis, yes. I, I mean, we actually <laughs> actually had to run back to the truck because the girls were coming after us. <laughs> and that was actually fun. That's hilarious. Like, yeah, to- totally. However, I, for many years, my, most of my uh younger age until 17 that I was just like already just broke to that, that that spell I have to um hide from my dad that I was in the choir that I was in theater that was not permitted so there was some kind of expectation that you were going against oh yeah in that in that sense yes for many years I have so why did you feel that you had to hide like what did what would he say if he found out? You're not you're not gonna be part of the choir. You can be part of the choir. That's for for gays. Or I don't remember that the wording of that time, but I was not allowed to be in the choir in the in the in the theater because that is what's going to make me gay. Go figure. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I have to hide. So that was a problem. That was a problem for yeah. for dad. That was a that, problem not that dad. you would not be acquiring skills that are better for future life or some focusing on studies it was that performing was going to make you gay performing was going to make me that gay. was his fear yeah why do you think he had that fear because i think that he knew that i was gay since i was very young i was not girly and never been girly or any of that but i, I was more delicate than boy the other boys you know I, I was artistic which i was called artistic many times which is a euphemism for gay well Maybe not intentional. Uh, intentionally, it's very funny because uh, what my one of my my aunts when finally in the family they just came out to the conclusion that I was gay and all that. And my aunt's like, oh, well, we always knew that. That was that was that was him always, and it was that, it was the only one because the other part of the whole thing was just like in my family, like it just took two it just took two days I think, but I, I never came out formally with them. It was just like, you know, if you don't know that I'm gay by now, as an adult, I was like, please, like, just like, you really need to get glasses. Um, 
I don't really know about how, uh, what's the attitude towards uh, gay people in Panama. You don't talk about it. It's just like you just, that doesn't exist. It's not in the conversation. Also, remember, I'm a completely different generation than today's generation. There are like gay pride in Panama. There are boys like just like dressing up. There are boys openly, you know, drag queens and all that. That's just completely transforming Panama. Uh, it's, it's still, still is a very Catholic and a very, well, Catholic, but a very religious and very strict. So you have that conflict all the time. The same thing, the same conflict that, you know, that uh, the machismo conflict. Uh, but when I was, uh, uh, because it was not out in the conversation, um, then you don't have to confront it because it's just in the, in the underground, in the under level. And so there's no information that you can just get. Uh, for me, trying experimenting with boys, little bit here, little bit mm -hmm. there, had nothing to do with me socially and having girlfriends because the expectation and what I always understood was you just have to have girlfriends mm -hmm. and you just have to go, go out with girls. And I don't want to brag about myself, but I never, ever went after a girl that I like. I never had to. The girls always make it easy for me. The girls came and wanted to fool around and want to be my my girlfriend. So I was like, okay, let's just be friends. Good, girlfriend. So I never had to fight for that, and that make it easy. That made it easier for me just to you know be part of uh, of what is expectation were of as, as a boy and. A clear, clear thing that you always has uh, been asked and people expecting is you, you never have one girlfriend. You have girlfriends in plural. As a boy, you have more than one. So you've been trained never being, uh, uh, yeah, you know, a monogamous yeah, because you're you're supposed to be practicing on, in, in testing. But then the expectation later is that you're monogamous if you're so interesting. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Any boy, at least my generation, and probably they may, as a boy, you're supposed to have girlfriends in plural. Yeah. Until you find the one and then you may. Many. many, many. Yeah. But like many at the same time or, or one after another? Well, you that's not explained. So you understand that it's something at the same time. <laughs> the reason I'm asking is because, for example, in Russia, there's also an expectation that you know, you can have boyfriends, girlfriends, you figure out what you like, what you don't like, and then you are monogamous. But there is no simultaneous dating of multiple people socially acceptable as it is here. Now, I think it is more like that in Russia. But when I was growing up, one at a time, like you're, you're giving it time, you're giving it your attention, you're trying to see if that works. If it doesn't, you move on. You don't date five people at the same time. That's the information that you receive as a, as a girl. True. Well, actually, I've, I've, I've had conversations with, with boys. No, no, I've had conversations with boys, uh -huh. too, and it's similar. Mm -hmm. it's, it's similar. There's yeah. no... You do one at a time. It's not approved. Right. It's not socially yeah. approved to have... Like, there's no conversation of, like, are we exclusive or, like, people have here. It is assumed that you are exclusive. So, so in Panama, the situation is not even. So for girls, it's like more one at a time. And for guys, it's like whatever works. For women, no, you cannot have more than one at a time. Women, you can never. For men, yes. And it's <laughs> everyday, everyday life of, of men, adult men, 
having a wife, having a family, and Panama is tiny, tiny, and still they can figure out having another wife and another child somewhere else in the city. <laughs> this is the first-hand experience for me, the machismo thing, is like my mother uh, dated when I was 11 or 12, and that's actually what broke my, my relationship with them for my mom for a while. Uh, she met, dated this guy that who had several kids, almost bigger than me, um, and I think he was married, and uh, he was living with her and one of, of his kids with us. I was 11 and 12, uh, and uh, it was terrible because I just could not stand that guy. He couldn't stand me. I knew that he, he, he knew that I was gay, so, so he made my life miserable, so I just like, couldn't stand him, and, and, and then I was just totally rebel. I just... I scream and yell, I didn't like these people. Anyway, cut to later, she is uh, living with this another married man who she has a, a, a child with, okay? So it's my brother. This guy has established family uh, in Panama City. And look at the connection. It's a little a little difficult to follow, but uh, my my mother's husband's wife, their, their first wife, who he was, she was my teacher in high, my high school. She, I knew her. She knew me. I didn't know, that, that never, that came out later, much, many years later. She was my teacher. Yeah. Okay. My, one of his sons, it was, is today my brother, not my brother from that side, my, my other brother from my father's, from my father's side, his best friend. They are best, I, no connection whatsoever in terms of like who's who in that. Yeah. My, my my that would be awkward best friend my brother's best friend is the son of my other brother yeah that's the son of my other <laughs> that brother. is really hard to follow that Very one so now i understand follow. now i understand that uh all those soap operas that come from latin america they're actually rooted in reality yeah it is and you're my son you are my son and Mother, that is, is so based on reality, and they so see themselves in there. So you were hiding your sexuality, but you also hiding it for yourself. Uh, you, you know, you just don't know that you're gay. I, I, I finally came to sort of terms with it when I was like 22, because I have experience with boys, but I, I was not gay. I was something and not because i have girlfriends questioning yeah mm-hmm. you know but uh i definitely enjoy being with boy mothers but it would never ever 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 cross my mind that i was going to have a boyfriend i'm still to this age i'm married to a man and still like oh i'm married to a man <laughs> i mean i can totally relate yeah. to that idea because uh growing up uh in russia where homosexuality was actually a crime up until 93 like people 93. went to prison yeah oh wow i didn't know that there were gay people around me i mean eventually i found found out and figured out oh this but way later um way later. and there were no families like correct although there is a joke in russia that uh half of our population was brought up in uh what do you call um in not homosexual families, but like, um, how do you say it? Damn it. Um, well, in, in Russia, I guess it's it's a different word. Like, God, 
of same gender same gender families because it's because it's the mother and the grandmother because there's no father in the picture father in the picture so it's like homosexual but it's not sexual it's like homogender homogender yes and and I I also experienced that I grew up in a matriarchard my grandma who passed at 110 good genes she was just like amazing and we all you know revert revert to to her um my identity is my grandmother and my aunts and my mom all women father's figure was sort of like distance on the side or my father mm-hmm. my dad was just so young he could not know what to do with me he just couldn't figure out and now i understand you know and he's like oh, a 21 year old kid you know were you I, missing him I, did you want his presence more now or then then no no it's just it was just how it was mm-hmm. i yeah. was a busy kid like yeah. really busy i was always doing something and so what were you aiming at what was the dream like in those years i think because i'm so influenced by movies in that like the way the dreams are are so specific and dreamlike so i never had the, i never i never had a dream of like the dream house Or, or, or I think that is that some some of those uh, constructions are very American or capitalistic constructions where you actually have the set dream where it should look like this in the house or set dream or I don't I never had that in that terms like oh because I was always and I always heard I was like you have to have a plan to know what you're going blah, blah, blah. and in my case I never grew up I never had that I had a, a, and, a, a feeling of a direction and a feeling of uh, wonder. So I always wonder. I never really, I never been able, not even when I'm making movies, I always like, oh my God, I cannot, I cannot picture the way I want the movie. Can't do that. I hear other people doing that. So I feel that I'm supposed to have that. Uh, and I just can't picture it like that. I just picture it like something that is moving inside me that is just hot. it's just guiding me to go one way or the other and I just take me so many years so most of my life just trying to believe and pay attention and trust the the gut feeling yeah because always when it gets in my brain and I the minute I get to America that's what I got pushed to yes you have it had to be mental had to be that and I've been resisting that And I always trying to go what the brain says, what the plans could be, da 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 da, and bringing down what it feels in me and my my soul and here. And uh, and so I just go go go, and it's just sort of like, oh, okay. But the minute that I stop and listen, my inner instinct is when I have the best results, the more satisfying results, the happier I am. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just doesn't have a. Well, it's a it's a great it has a feeling. it's a great. Uh thing to have that feeling of gut like I'm kind of similar to you in that sense except for my gut feeling got shut down way earlier like that kind of brainy culture that I just grew up with it and you're supposed to be this you're supposed to do that and I didn't even know that this those things were kind of put on me but they were and I was just not listening to myself and And not being able to hear myself and it's taking me years to reconnect with that voice um, absolutely I know exactly what you're saying and and 
And actually, well, that was part of my path with immigration. For me, the immigration and coming to the States was part of the process of reconnecting with that voice, kind of the opposite from what it was for you. Uh, for me, it was kind of liberation from this, um, what Russian culture and my background and my environment was putting on me and trying to be on my own, by myself, with myself and what I am. Um, so interesting. Well, even though you didn't have this visualized or verbalized dream, that sense, that feeling that you had, like maybe you had a person that you were, you wanted to be, like when you grow up, you know, or how was it manifested, like where you were aiming? I just don't feel that I was aiming to anywhere, anywhere. I could I, I could have just landed anywhere. I could have landed in Moscow. I got not that much of like a social pressure structures. I was very free mm -hmm. and people saw me that way. So I was always wondering. I always wondered. I always wanted to just like test things and, and let myself go. It's it took me all this time to understand that this is um that is an artist. I had never been able to accept that I was an artist. For some reason I always thought that this I was making that up and I'm just like, I just do things mechanically. I just do things. I'm, I like mechanics, how things work. Uh, mm -hmm. And I never accepted until recently. It was like, okay, I got to have to come to terms. Okay, so that's all this it means that I'm an artist. Why it's so hard for me to accept that I'm an artist? I have no idea. Well, maybe because your family didn't... They didn't understand that. Yes, yes, correct. Uh, but... Uh, so there was one at the end of the, the year, Mike Wire had a, a, a presentation outside school. It was a national thing in, in, in the city. Obviously, I was not part of this, uh, of the choir. In order for me to get out of the house and then I was going to say, I'm going to play games, um, um, sports. I was part of like the, the volleyball team and that. So I would just go out and practice mm -hmm. for games or, or the swimming or a swim team. Mm -hmm. So Which that, you were actually part of or not? Yes, yes. Okay. I was, yeah. So you managed that too. <laughs> Great that time too. management school skills. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. That is probably the most crucial, crucial day of my life, and that, and probably why I, I then I always was always insecure about singing, and just like I never, I never trust myself, and I was still today. I am very insecure about singing, uh, regardless of what anyone says. And anyway, so. So I had a, a show that afternoon. So I say, I'm going to practice. So, and then I went to shower and then I would just get all my stuff and put it outside the, the house. And I would just go out and pick up my stuff and just go to my show. Okay. So um, we're singing the choir. It's, it's a perfect, perfect show. Then I did my, my, my solos and closing the last note of the show. My dad shows up right in the back of the of the audience hysterical and so angry because i was lying i lied to him it took me and it, i don't remember I, I don't remember the conversation on i mean he i know that he was just so angry and it was horrible and how could you da 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 um and i i couldn't figure out how did he know but it was you see like they uh they were um I say I'm going to practice in all the southern. Um, I'm getting ready to practice volleyball, and I'm singing, and I'm just like singing in the shower, getting ready. And it's like, why? 
is he's so happy that he's going to volleyball. And the radio, in, in the radio that minute, and they're saying that there was a, the choir from my school was presenting in this big show in, in, in Panama City, da da, da 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 Of course, like, oh, that's, it's not, that's why he's so happy. So, so he heard on the radio. The radio he gave heard you away. The radio. Yeah. And I give it away too because I was just so happy. Yeah. <laughs> he threatened me saying, You're lucky that I got here late because I would have just grabbed you out of the stage in the middle of the song. So I never forgot about that. Never. And the funny thing is, my girlfriend at that moment, at that time, um, I have a witness. You know, one of those things that you, you experience in your childhood and it's your, you're counting on your memory. She yeah. experienced it with me. She saw it. She heard it. She, she saw my dad and she saw everything that happened. So I have someone yeah. that's, that say, no, you did not make this up. That happened to you. And she just yeah. she still remembers it as like the way I remember it because she was so fearful for me. You know? Yeah. So, and so what, what happened after that? Like you could, did you continue singing? Did you have to, what, I what con happened? I, I continue singing. I just, that does not stop me. But it did, it did, it did make, scar me. It did scar me. What did he say? I'm not allowing you to do this. But you continued. I continue regardless. I figured out it and I kept singing, you know. Funny enough, my girlfriend, she was the one who taught me to play guitar. That opened the, um, the door for me to, to get it on my dad's side. But that was more manly. It was not choir. It was not classical. That was accepted. So I kept singing in that. So you found so, a found a way around a way around it, yes. And so, as you were graduating high school, what was the plan? In my social um, upbringing, there is no question that you finish to finish high school, you go directly into a university, into higher school, uh, higher studies. And so, what were you gonna study? Uh, well, I have no idea. Number one, no idea. Um, but uh, it needed to be something on the, uh, on the safe side. And then the last couple of years in high school, I actually figured out how to, how to study better. Um, thanks to my friend. He was a, uh, a very academic and he played guitar and he was very artistic, but he was very academic and very square. And, and he was the one who taught me how to study because just with, just with the, to be with him, I needed to study and to get good grades and then we'll sing and then we'll go out. So it was just very like that. So I would do it. I would follow him because he was just like my hero and, uh, and, and good friend. And I admire him and he was just like great on the guitar and, and everything. So I, that's we became that. And he, my grades went, went up in the middle of, of the minute that I met him. Because um, he wow. came late to That's the school. That's such luck, such fortune to meet someone like fortune. that. Fortune. I remember the day he walked into the classroom and the teacher introduced him. I saw him, he walked in, and I just opened one one seat next to me. And, so you and knew it. I immediately, immediately became his friend. Like, it was like, that was intentional. Like, this is good. This is my friend. And we became mm -hmm. friends immediately. Oh, my grace became better. And like calculus and trigonometry was sort of like easy for me. So like, I guess that I had to go into something that I had to do. That, that I went into engineering. Engineering me, I, I, I'm sorry. I, it's like, what the fuck I'm doing? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I have no idea. It was so, it was so painful, so horrible for two semesters, one year. I, the only class that I was able to, to finish with grades, because the other ones I couldn't finish, 
uh, was the uh, technic technical drawing. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, what happened? So then I just like couldn't. I'm just like I, I can't finish that. Then I just like okay, there is, there is communications. You know, that had something to do, something that I like, and I was already doing videos and stuff, and so, and I was singing, and I was singing, uh, uh, jingles, commercials, I started making money, I was singing, so it was, I got something to do with that. So, oh wow, I signed in communications, but then my dad said, no, I'm not gonna pay, even even though it's just like, it's a public school, so that is for mm. for uh, taxi drivers. If you do videos, it's your that's for taxi drivers. Just finish engineering and then you do whatever you want. It's like finish engineering, like really. So that's when it starts stumbling, stumbling, stumbling. Just like, could not figure out, and I stumbled like for two or three years, going from one school to another to another because I could not. Nothing makes sense to me. Nothing mm, until I just like I gotta painful. get out of here. But it was not painful, but I was lost, very, very, very lost. Um, I so, went through a similar process at a similar age, and to me, it was awful because I need a direction in my life. I'm, mm. I'm less of a wanderer. <laughs> I, I'm not comfortable with wondering, and that's why I think it's a, it's a really, it's really interesting for me to listen to you because you seem to be fine with those moments of searching and wondering, whereas to me, it's oh my god, it's killing me when I don't know where I'm going I like not to know where I'm going and that's when I'm the happiest and that's why it's been so hard for me because the moment that I I I, I want the moment that I arrive in America when um, when I had to start making those directions and making those effort that effort to become part of a society that it just doesn't is wondering is not allowed it really it's really yes I have uh, I got lucky and I and I became pretty successful what I do. But I it, there, but everything that structure I it's never had let me be fully happy because I the the plan and the thing is just like you know happy because I have been I mean my life has been pretty happy it's just fulfilled it's just like I need to have the opportunity just to wander and just follow an, an instinct. And it's been proven one after the other. It's, you know, I cannot explain that to anybody unless that they do. But the only time that I that I feel fulfilled is when I. It's just it's almost immediate that I have an immediate response when I listen to the, in my inner voice and I respond to it. It's when I get the best results in my life. Wow! Yeah, and that's so. Beautiful that you know that. Oh, As you were saying it, it just made me so emotional because I can, I can just feel that it's so true and it's so you. But it's, it's like the most beautiful thing. But it's been so, it's been for so long, so long, and I hope that there is still time for me because it's just, it's been long, 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 long road to a, you know. Listen, and, and, and still looking at you, there's plenty of time ahead. <laughs> <laughs> And your but, grandma lived till what, 110, 110 so yeah. <laughs> good genes, you have time. Yeah, yes, but uh, yeah, but it's also still, it's still a battle. It's still a battle because I live with a person that is very structured, very planned, and, uh, and, and, and you know, thanks to, 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 to him, just like we have accomplished so many, so many things in life. Um, but still, I need to make, it's just very, I need to make a very hard 
case, my, my case when I have to do something, I know that I have to do it. I have to, my case is always have to be fought because if it's not structured enough, it doesn't sound structured enough, it's just very hard to to. Do you have to always prove that, that that's a worthy wonder to take? Yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. It's, just, it's well, been the story of my life, actually. Well, interesting. And let's go back to that moment where you kind of ventured on your first big wonder. What led to that moment of leaving Panama? I think it was a perfect storm. I knew that I was lost in the sense of, it's just funny because it never felt that I was lost. Since I was very young, I've always wanted just to be part of a bigger picture, bigger place. Um, I was very adaptable and, and very happy, but I just knew that it was just like something was not for me living in Panama. I was in a search and I was wondering. I knew that I would know when I see it. I know exactly what you're saying. I'm just like that. And I always had that same feeling, but I always thought of myself less because of that. I always thought that me being unable to formulate that I mean, I did have, that's the thing. I had this idea, but that was put on me. And then that, once that I realized that less, it wasn't mine. You're less, yeah, yeah you're less. Like, how come you cannot, how come you yeah. cannot just structure it, know it, paint it, and then, and then you, you know, you know, how come you can't? Or just say it? it. Just say or it. just say it. Like for years. Yes. I, just say what, yes. I hear just that say what you all want. the time. Say what you want. And then the worst answer that you can say is, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I have 20 something years with my partner that I love. And this is, this, my life is cannot be the same, the same without. But that is the bottle. That is the worst answer that I can give. But that is like the best answer that I can give. I just don't know. I would know it when I see it. I, I believe me, but it's just so hard. It is. And you're not. It blessed. is very it, hard. It's hard. And they don't believe you. <laughs> because you cannot formulate it. They don't believe you. And he, he, they know me. They know me in the, you know, all my life. But they just don't believe you. You just make it. You just, you're just not trying. You're just hard. lazy. You're just not. You're not trying hard enough to formulate. Yeah, it. yeah. So and then, then you just have to like, spark up. But you do have those moments because I, I know those moments when you see it. You know it right away. You run away. You know. There's it's no denying like, ah. it either. It's just like, ah, but it's just like, it's just, you just have to keep moving towards that, the direction that you know that it should be. Uh, and then there's a little derail and then you just go back. And, and then when you see it, it's like, of course, it's so clear. Um, the movie called Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's a Steven Spielberg film. Watch it. Uh, Richard Dreyfuss, you know, the aliens has chosen a few humans to take them with them. Aliens come, the science come, and there are a lot of people who are prepared, but there's just a, 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 sm a core, small core of people who actually make their way in because the aliens had gave them a message. But they do not know what the message is. And that is the whole movie, is how Richard Dreyfuss is being pulled by a message that he does not understand. He doesn't even know that he has, there's a message to him. He just knows that he's being pulled for, by a force that is just unique. And at the end, he is the chosen one because the message. And then at the, at the end, he understands that he is the, the one that they wanted to, for some extreme situation. There's no reason why, why him, but it was him. 
and and mm-hmm. and every, the mm-hmm. entire movie is how he's been pulled, and then you see other people that have been pulled for the same the same energy, and that mm-hmm. is how it happened to me. And that's an funny. I remember. I, I yeah, actually, he, yeah. I'm actually I. I'm actually making that connection for the first time in my life. That's why that movie is so important to me. You don't know that it's moving you. You don't know that there is a message. You don't know that there is a, an ending. You just, you just know that just, it's just pulling you in some direction, some weird direction. What happened to me was I was 23. Uh, the perfect storm has happened that uh, the uh, uh, political turmoil in Panama and the military and the the United States and the invasion was going to happen. It was coming and coming. And I am lost. I am just not, couldn't go, went into uh, to college and out because I was doing cameras and videos and things, couldn't finish school. And then also Panama, there was no work and, and, and people in the streets and, 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 um, wow. And at the was same that time, scary? No, no. Uh, uh, if you looked at it from now, does would that be scary? No, uh, they suffer. They suffer a lot when the invasion happened. But I was before the invasion, when so I did not experience firsthand the invasion. My family, my friends did, and it was scary times. It was. I mean, people were being killed in the streets. There were a lot of people dead in the streets, and there were people. Uh, my my dad has to with this the neighbor. My my dad lived in the little hill so the neighbors had to get, go, defend themselves to, someone has like a couple of guns and stuff and then just because they were looting the entire city they meaning looting there was just everywhere but I did not experience that I experienced the fun part the previous um, either I was partying or was I was working in parties because I was videotaping parties the big high-end high-class parties uh, in my time Instead of having like a live band, there were this mobile discotheques. And then there was this guy who had this big one that has, he, had, he did the biggest parties in, in, in the city of the very mm-hmm. rich people. One of his um, tricks just to sell the thing, it was just like he had a little camera connected on the big monitor. And then um, somehow I ended working with him. And I was like the, the camera guy videotaping the party and they will, people would see themselves in the, in, the, in the screen. So I was dancing with people, so they were watching themselves in the screen. I always say, I am a, um, a good handheld operator because mm-hmm. of that, because I have two years of almost every weekend dancing mm-hmm. from 10 o'clock at night until 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock every single weekend, Friday, Saturday, and sometimes Sundays. And I was just dancing. With camera. <laughs> with the camera. So I already was involved with the camera. I already knew the camera was my thing. Uh, so then I had a, uh, but I just like, I was barely in my, in my, in my house, my dad's house and his wife. Um, and there was one, one of those fights uh, that we had. Um, and I remember the moment I was going up to my, my bedroom and she said, yes, because you're a loser. She screamed that on that. Uh, that stopped me on my track. The dad's wife screamed you my or dad? Yeah, but but she uh she was my like my mother. I went but when I was a teenager, I was already twenty three. When I was a teenager, she was very, very important part of my growth growing up. But uh, at that moment she just said I was a loser. I never saw myself as a loser. And that struck me to my core. 
and I thought, and I questioned, just like, maybe I am illusory. Like, this cannot happen. Um, six months later, I was out of Bama. I figured out there was this opportunity, another woman who was traveling to Panama, and she had makeup. She was promoting the makeup line. Somehow, I knew that there was a, a door there. And the way to get into that door was I started, I started flirting with her. And somehow we just got got into each other. And at that time, I was pretty much in the closet, like in and out, da, 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 da. and uh, yeah. I started dating her. And uh, she was she was going to travel, um, and then she needed an assistant. And I became mm-hmm. like the the showman because then I was her assistant, but I was the show. I was the part of. I was. I became. The front runner, every every place we went to Spain, we went to Venezuela, we traveled like four, six, five countries, um, teaching makeup. I knew two tricks, makeup, two tricks. And a friend of mine taught me because it was in theater. And I used those two tricks and they took me long ways. So I left Panama and I left with her. So you were doing makeup? I was doing makeup. But then when we were getting close to time to come back, I was like, why am I going to come back to? Oh, that happened. The, uh, the invasion happened. And uh, I just called, called my, my, my parents. It's just like, I'm, I'm not going back. I don't have anything to go back to. So I just... I, Where did you the, call from? That was six months, six weeks later, I arrived to Puerto Rico where she was from mm-hmm. and decided to start to stay in Puerto Rico. And then she was older than me. And she was the one who said, you know, you have to finish college. You're going to finish here. So I called huh. and said, well, I'm not going back. And I, I, I went to, I went to college there in Puerto Rico and finished college in Puerto Rico. I finished like that in two and a half years, something like that. I have, I started from scratch, from zero, nothing that went that did the school before worked. I can't use anything, but then I was in, now then I was in a mission. I needed to finish school, so I went. I went to Sacred Heart, Puerto Rico, and I didn't. And it was a back. community college, or, or it was. It was. How did you manage to pay for it? I, I got loans. Mm-hmm. I got loans, and um, it was not that expensive. And I was just mm-hmm. doing some some commercials, and I was doing some work. I started singing too, so I sang some commercials, uh, jingles in Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico, I felt pretty much at home. I landed at another home. But Puerto Rico is just very similar to Panama, so I all my tricks in Panama worked in Puerto Rico. So it was easy to translate that that thing. So there was there, like literally no transition curve. I just landed and just like start. And I, I got every single award when I finished, every single award that the school was given, like best production, something, best sound, and something, every, I, you name it, I, I, I won it. Yeah, it was and what very, was it driving was, you at that point? So you were not, so that was a moment that you really focused. So you were not a wanderer it started at that make, moment. It started because it started making sense. Everything started mm. falling in place. Like it clicked. This is the mm-hmm. camera, is the communicate. If in order to get to the camera, I need to go to the communications and I need to finish college. So, see, so because something else is ahead and I was not sure what it was. Um, and cinema started revealing to me right in there because they, one of my professors in first semester had a, was a filmmaker. He made a movie and God was it nominated. Yeah, I think it was like Puerto Rico nomination for Oscars, but that's like didn't make it but it, i mean it was like well 
receive in that I was like experienced like movies were not in my radar whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But then I she was my teacher and then I was like, Oh, it's it's movies. I arrived <laughs> and then the new wanderer started. And then my, one of my best friends was the daughter of like the best, the biggest star in Puerto Rico. And then I started going with the movie people. And then as was so happening, it started shaping the, like, oh, it's, it's, it's film, it's cinema. So again, another wonder and another wonder. And I was like, how, where do I go? So I started looking in that times there was no Google. So it was that time you just had to get, get big books. Mm-hmm. I was looking and everything that says cinema, I just like make it into a list, put it into a list and I start sending applications. There was, uh, there was, I remember clear, there was a school that says cinema and it was in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> and I applied for that. I mean, so I had, there was no difference between an Ivy League school or Arkansas. None. It was a cinema in the program, so I just apply. And uh, oh. I applied to NYU, I applied to Columbia University, I applied to UCLA, I applied to USC. NYU was my first rejection. And I was like, oh my God, I was not used to rejections. So I just like, I got devastated for like a week. So I didn't know, I didn't know any of, the, any of that. But then Columbia came to my path. That's a big one. That's a big one. It's funny because at a certain point, someone like, wow, you're going to an Ivy League school. I had no fucking idea what it was, so I had to fucking ask what, what that meant. Uh, could it be if the uh, University of Arkansas would send me their letter first? I would just go to Arkansas with no problem. I, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> UCLA got uh, uh, sent me a, a letter that they could they wanted to interview me, but uh, USC no, but UCLA did. And then cut to a few years later, I taught one semester, two semesters in cinematography in UCLA very funny wow. funny enough yeah but it was because Columbia just was the first one that came across I mean granted I mean I think that they were also filling up uh you know minority spot or something something like that but it was it, I mean that year it was 50 people 55 people who got in out of like I don't uh-huh. know 500 applications something like that I just, I don't yeah probably or I have, more. Uh, yeah, no, it was. I think that was a number at that time. I think that is my my number one achievement in life. Uh, there was this program. I think they're still around. It's called Project One Thousand. They were helping minority students with their uh, their applications. They will they will revise your application. They will help you to they will help you to package it. You know, mm-hmm. and they did yeah. help me a lot, and and also they allowed me to apply to as many schools as I wanted. I think I applied for like the twelve schools. That was very helpful. So I am in Puerto Rico, and I received a phone call from the assistant of the dean of admissions at Columbia University, and she says, "Listen, the dean of admissions want to talk to you. They like your applications very much." But they have serious concerns about your English. And as you, uh, I've been 20 something years and you can hear me and you understand why. Imagine that 20 <laughs> years ago. Uh, uh, you're not allowed to laugh. You have to be like, why? Your English is so perfect. Your, your English, English is absolutely is, is, perfect. Perfect. Exactly. And it's no accent. And it's like perfect. It has yeah. a perfect accent. Uh, yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, so um, she says, you know, um, they ha- they're concerned because Columbia University focuses in writing 
and directing and writing is like the stronger suit of the school. And they just questioning your ability to do that. And it's like, okay, so he wants to meet you. He wants to interview you uh, tomorrow, maybe let's say 10 o'clock, I don't remember, but tomorrow, the next day. They're gonna, he's gonna make a phone call, you're gonna have a conversation, and um, then we'll make a decision. Okay, I hang up the phone. I feel that I, like my blood went down to my feet. This is when you know that this is the most important thing that's gonna happen in your life. But then I panic. I know this is this is awful. That if they go, I'm gonna get on the phone with them and they're gonna hear me, and that's and I panic. I just like past pacing, 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 pacing in the, in, the, in, the, in the room. This is like I'm going to lose this opportunity. I just I just know it. And uh, my friend for floor did not say one word. She let me pace, I don't know for how long, it felt like eternity, but I just paced and paced, I was hysterical, I was just like, I could not know what was going to happen. And I knew that I just was not going to pass that test. Um, mm -hmm. And after a while, when I was exhausted, she said only one word, uh, only one idea. You know what I would do if I were you? I would get in a plane right now and show up there. And I was like, what are you? fucking crazy this is not this is this is a very important school that I, I didn't know why it was i knew that was important cool but it was an important school like that's, that's not the way it is it, it, they will be offended da, 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 da. she let me vent again more and more and i vented and vented and, and she all that she says like my my uncle lives there and we can just go get your ticket and we'll just we'll just go and show up me tomorrow and after several hours of me panicking and and knowing that my life was going to be determined by that i i, I just say you know i i'm just gonna follow what you're saying i'm just gonna go there at that time you cannot just get a phone and, and call <laughs> i we went we have no money very little money we just found a little bit of money went to an a, 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 a agency you know at the time you just buy tickets yeah. to an agency we got a ticket to New York City, and I flew in that afternoon, that evening. And she, as as she was going, as she was going, oh, uh, Horacio needs a place to be tonight, and maybe the night after tomorrow. He has an interview at Columbia. The family live in the Bronx. The most amazing, wonderful family. And they fine. Uh, I flew into New York. Um, they picked me up at the airport. We went. They had a wonderful dinner that night. They. They explained to me how to take the subway from the Bronx on my own to New York City to call 116 in, in Broadway, like the, the stop, Columbia University stop. I went in and I show up the next day. I have a meeting with Darry. I think he's expecting me at 10 o'clock in the morning. She said, oh, yes, I then he said, me go and get that. Get him to you. <laughs> so she went in in the office and she said, Horacio has a meeting. Now you have a meeting with Horacio. And he said later, he told me, Oh yeah, oh yeah, I have to call this kid. Let me let me call him. He's like, no, no, he's out there. He knew that I was in Puerto Rico. He knew that he was going to call me in Puerto Rico. And that was his yeah. expectation. Um, so I'm sitting back there and she showed up in the door. What are you doing here? <laughs> well, you have a meeting with me and I wanted to know that this is the most important thing in my life. And I wanted to know that I want this more than anything in life. And come, come, come. I walk in, Larry became one of my great friends later. And I knew within five minutes that I was in. I could not speak English. Trust me, I could not speak English. I barely spoke English. But he knew 
that are important. And 10 minutes after the conversation, we went up the stairs. The school is a very small school, you know. Uh, so he walked me around and introduced me. This guy, I had him, he was in Perico yesterday. I had a meeting with him this morning and he really wanted this. So welcome him. And he introduced me to everybody. And like, it, that's cool. It was at, my, at that time, it was very small. So you knew the ones, people that are ahead of you and the new ones. And I was in, and uh, just a few months later, I was 55 of the of the people who went into that, that class. And it really determined my, my life. It really, everything. Well, you can see me. I mean, the audience won't see me, but I'm like crying. I have goosebumps all over. Like I'm, it's such a crazy thing. That's like, you know, people say 90% of success is showing up. And this one is literal, literally. Yeah. 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 And, and wanted it more than anything in life. Yeah. And even though you don't know what is it that you want, but you know, I shot my first feature film in my second semester of school. And granted, I could not fucking write and I still cannot write. So writing for me at Columbia was not my thing. So how can I make this master's on filmmaking for me? So I structured the film, this my this, this my school, around my skills as a cinematographer because I knew that that I and I started learning very very quickly. And let me tell you, there's nothing like film, like nothing, nothing, nothing. The goose, the butterflies that flies in your stomach, thinking that you're actually fucking messing there. Just like. What if you're not exposing right? Oh my God, there's nothing like that. Oh, there's nothing. So that when when I went and I just I, I just got the film the my, my film the, the, um, I got my Developed. film. It was it, it, and it was it was not negative. It was it was in a it was um reverse reversal. So it's like slides uh-huh. but on film. Mm-hmm. And I remember being outside and I just couldn't wait and I just like open it. When I saw that when I saw the then the, the the light going through little pictures. I knew, like, this is fucking it. I knew. It was just absolutely, like, nothing like that happened. I don't know. It's just, you just, you search, search, search. And when you say, I just don't know, you really don't know, no. But when you have it in your hand, when you have it in front of you, it makes sense. It makes sense. And it's worth every ounce of energy that you spend in it. If you have, if you can hear, you can listen to what you, something inside you is telling you. Oh my God. I think it's so, it's, it's just golden <laughs> what you're saying. I think because I, ah, I wish I heard you like 10 years ago. Ah, uh, no, uh-uh, no, mm-mm. no, you are hearing what right when you need to hear it. You can look back. It's, you're, hearing, you're doing what you want to do. You're doing right now. This podcast that is strange and, you know, it, you, are, you, are following, you are following your voice. And sometimes you don't know that you are following your voice. That's the other thing. No, no, I do know. I just wish, and, I'm, and that, that's what I'm saying. I think it's golden because the reason I'm doing this podcast is to bring things like that to people who need to hear them. What, why I'm saying is like, I wish I heard you 10 years ago. And I probably heard something that was taking me on the path that I had to go through to be, to find myself here. And I had to take all that time. Um, but it just touches me so much. And I know that somebody who is a wanderer like you or insecure wanderer like me, 
I'm, oh wait, uh, insecure. You also have to give me that that because <laughs> I am insecure wanderer. Wanderer. I'm not. I don't think that there is a secure wanderer because then, then you're not a wanderer. It's all about insecurity. well, but you you feel you 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 do say that you feel fulfilled when you're wandering. Yes, but that doesn't mean you. But, but it doesn't mean that you're full of doubts. <laughs> you're fulfilled because of doubts. <laughs> you fulfill in spite of the doubts. Well, let's just say in that way. Yeah. Um, I don't think that there, there is such thing as because you don't know. It's all about doubts, and everyone is questioning, and you're questioning too because you hear it. It's like. So, but tell me what you want. And then when you say, I don't know, then you say, like, maybe they're right. You just don't know. So what the fuck you're doing? That is every se every second. And then not until you have some results, then you say, ah, or, or then you just like, you get a little bit of applause, but then you go back to square one. But tell me what you want, you know? And it's just, it's just yeah. a constant, a constant cycle, a constant cycle. Yeah. I've done a lot of, uh, so many of them in movies, that are done, that are quote unquote, like more pre uh, prestigious. Sometimes I just do it because I'm following some kind of pattern that someone's supposed to be following, not because I'm really following what I wanted to go, you know? And I feel that I have been derailed many times from where my my stomach is telling me just to change the, the, uh, the, the, the image, you know? Because it's right here, it's right here between between your stomach and your heart and like this hole in here is what you feel it. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, an insecure wandering, wanderer is okay. Uh, the insecure <laughs> wanderer is totally okay. It is okay. I mean, at least for me, I can, the thing is you cannot recommend it because it's not something that you can recommend. You feel it or you just don't. You feel that force or you don't. I want to, uh, go back to that time in school in Colombia. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it is an Ivy League school and it is a very high class American highest, wealthiest, most privileged school. And, and this one kid with most... no money. Uh -huh. So yeah, you know where I'm going. Like, what was your feeling in that I environment? I experienced all of that. Number one, I think my ignorance helped me to get through it. In what sense? Ignorance in terms of, number one, I, I am so overwhelmed by wonder. And I had no agenda in terms of what games to play or that games later. And that, that came to, to my, not my advantage, but, but my disadvantage. When I started learning the games that you need to play, et cetera, et cetera, that, that that pulled me back rather than pulling me forward when I started learning the, the rules. Before things, most of the, most of my, my experience in school sort of like passed over my head and just like didn't notice. I just noticed a couple, couple of things like being in a class. I mean, my classes were tiny. I'm, I'm with the Oscar winner writer, uh, uh, Oscar winner professor and, and writing class with the four of us and five, six of us. And I've been in the same class for one guy that I was in like, you know, two years with him. And then I met him somewhere else and he's just like, who are you? Or something like that. It like, he never noticed me. It's like, ah, oh, come on, let's just move on. One person or 
another moment where I was in a film festival in New York City and I was, I was there and, and someone else from from my school like, oh, hi, what, what are you doing here? I was like, oh, I'm doing exactly the same thing that you're doing. I am, I am, a, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm the same school. So you're doing what you're doing here. I'm doing here the same thing. But that's one of the, like, you have to mention it because it's like the unique, unique moments. Uh, the, the only thing that I was just like overwhelmed by is like, yes, everybody is so privileged and everybody has so many resources. Um, right. I mean, film school is expensive, not just the tuition. And did they give you a scholarship or what was? I got, I got, I did not get a scholarship. I got uh, uh, loans and I did not worry and absolutely for one second, oh my God, how how to have a plan? How am I going to pay this? Like, you know, at a certain point, I'm going to become a cinematographer. At a certain point, I'm just going to make movies and I'm going to I'm gonna make enough money to pay it. And there was a gigantic bill, you know, when I finished. But I did not worry. I paid it within eight years, I think. So I paid, like, I think it was a hundred and something thousand dollars in loans. And, you know, at the beginning, I just kept postponing and all that and, and turning things around and figure out... At the end, figure out, and I figured out thanks for to Mark because he was he's very structured. So every time I made a movie, every time I had a chunk of money and a movie that I make, it's like half of that will just go directly to my pay loan. I, oh my god, I hated that because I was making good money in the nineties <laughs> and uh, and in, in the early two thousands, you know, and then I was like, oh, oh, that goes to pay your loan, to pay your loan, and we just like wipe it up right fairly. But Wise. then, um, but going back to to the school years, did you feel that you were different? Did you feel being an alien? Did you feel like no, you don't fit? Not at all. I never. I because I get it. How like you fit in? How you were describing Puerto Rico, and you know, it's a similar culture. Okay, like you just slide in. Colombia is the opposite of Puerto Rico. <laughs> I don't know, and it's it's again, you have that force. And people recognize that force on mm. you. You become unstoppable. Whomever wants to challenge you in that sense, you have not, you really do not have time for that. You don't, wow. you know? So I'm just making friends who wanted to make me friends or making uh, acquaintances with whoever and, and also like the connections and, uh, and one thing brings the other. And um, Well, filmmaking is a very collaborative art and like, and you, I'm sure, had to do projects with your classmates. Like, how did that go? The first day, the orientation days, when you meet all, all, everybody, and, and that's the, that everyone is in their best behavior. That when yeah. the orientation, there's no competition and nothing. Everyone wants to be friends. I mean, granted, at Colombia, the competition is brutal, brutal. It's just like to get out because I'm getting the Oscar. Forget it. Fuck it. I'm getting. I'm going ahead and moving there's no this is that but um i realized like the day one um they want us to they do it with that still photography like a little story with still photography and there were people who actually did not even want to touch the still camera so i i immediately uh became the go for the go-to guy because like i'm a cinematographer by the end of that day i already had two directors three directors who are wanted to work with me right there. I was not able, I had no money. And then for to shoot your film, yes, you have a little bit of equipment here and there, but there were people who come in, like they were put it out of a check, $50,000 outside the school just to shoot a, a 10 minute short. The short, yeah, like they're expensive as hell. 
and then we were shooting film. So everyone had to pay their own film and I could not afford paying film, but I needed to shoot film and I was the only one who was willing, who was willing to, to shoot, to use the camera. Everybody else wanted to, to write, be the DP. to direct, because I was, it's like, oh, I can be a DP. I learned that in that moment. It's like, oh, I can be a DP, director of photography, a cinematographer. <laughs> so I started structuring my, my, my school as a cinematographer. And I started marketing myself. I didn't know I was marketing myself, but that's what I wanted to do. So right. every every opportunity that I had to to grab a camera for anyone, I would I would do it. So in my first semester, I was already I shot I don't know I mean I don't know how many I literally lost lost track of how many shorts I I I, I did I wow. did in the first semester. At the end of the first semester, one of my friends at school introduced me to this guy from NYU that was prepping for his first feature film, an independent movie. And um, yeah, this is like you get in the phone to talk to him. I read read the script. I read the script uh, and got in. And really the first script that I read that I actually understood and felt and, and, and I was so hungry. Mm-hmm. And it happens to be my best friend today, Eric Bross, who has I have shot with with him fifteen movies, and and at the end of that year, that summer, I shot my first feature film. Wow! Called Ten Benny, with Adrian Brody. Wow! Adrian Brody was twenty one years old, and <laughs> Adrian we're celebrating his birthday. We have, I have celebrated Adrian three times already. His birthday, actually. Um, and uh, we went to Sundance with that film. Wow. It was my first film. <laughs> and I got my first film review variety. I got New York Times variety. I mean, all the major reviews, but my best, my, my best review was from variety. And then just like, so this is it. I learned and I knew. I mean, it was the most ex- accelerating shooting that film with who is my best my best friend now uh it was the the best experience ever ever well so after that i assume like there was zero doubt and there's zero way of shaking your confidence yeah well my i almost no my confidence in doing the right thing yes my confidence in yes i can be good at it is always in question because i'm i'm very insecure in that sense because of all everything that has happened to me, uh, I mean before, so uh, I'm always very, very hard on myself, and that's another thing that I had to learn. Because I just like, it's like, even though I was getting the accolades and every, and I got a lot of attention, I still I could only see the mistakes or the bad things that I was doing in the movie, not the good thing that yeah. I was doing in the movies. Um, yeah, but that is all. It's almost like you part. have to. I, I totally can relate to that. It's almost like you have to have those people tell you that you're doing well because otherwise you would know, not know because you would only see the mistakes. Is it that doesn't ma- how it doesn't is? doesn't matter that they are telling you because you, in my case, I can always figure out. But now, I mean, if after years, then, then it's like, oh, that movie, I, oh, all that I did with the way I did it and the age I did it, wow. But at that moment, even if they tell me, I, I don't believe him. It's hard for me to believe it. 
I know. Yeah, I'm sorry. But you've worked so much. Like you've done so many movies. Like I know, you but have it's never, to have it's never good trust. enough. It's never enough. It's never enough because uh, you always compare yourself with the people that are in, in your, you know, in your industry. So, you know, it's like, uh, anyway, I mean, it's, it's no point to come into my insecurities because it's just like, it's, I guess that that's part of being an artist. You're just insecure. I want to ask you about one specific movie and I don't know what was, I, I couldn't figure out what was your, um, what was your role on World's Greatest Dad? Well, all my, all, everything that you see in that list is me as a cinematographer, first cinematographer. There is no other projects. So my roles in World's Greatest Dad was the cinematographer, the cinematographer, yes. I, I live with, uh, uh, with uh, Robin Williams. I shot, I was shot for five weeks, prepped for three weeks, and hung out with Robin Williams for two months. Yeah. Okay, I need to know, like, day-by-day day breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I mean, obviously not, but... A, um, an experience of a lifetime, lifetime. Everything that you hear about him, about how wonderful he is, and how, how generous he is, and how of a nice nature he is, is true. Everything is... He doesn't hide anything, but... He, yeah, he doesn't. Well, he is just all given to other people. It's just is. But I have to say something that in retrospective, I saw, I noticed, and I let it go. It's just like when you're meditating, you just like see your thoughts and you let them go. I There was a moment where I saw some darkness that I saw it and I let it go because like I'm making this up. I just can't be. There is something in there because it's not nothing particular nothing's particular or nothing specific but i saw some something that i never pay attention but i always stay with me there was something dark in there that i could not put my finger on um well there was a lot of i don't know if it was at that time what what phase he was on but he was pretty open about his drug use about his depression about all those things like but but uh that that was actually but that's actually after that he was in a in a good place at that moment, apparently, mm. because he was actually dating his now wife, and they now were widow. so uh, that, that now he was, widow now widow yes um yeah um oh so she's so cute she is so gentle and nice she was there almost not every day but she you know she visited us and she hang out with us and and I had the chance to go um out at night and we have to go like sneak out in the theaters like we will go to to the uh, to the uh to um uh standing comedies shows in seattle we shot in seattle and he, he will get us in and we'll just meet all his friends and it was just so cool we will have to and go did he go bar. up did he perform no mm -mm, no he just saw his friends um we went out for dinner. We had to go up, back in the for the to the kitchen because within you know ten minutes there were people gathering around the front door because throwing William was that it was there. It was funny. Uh, it was funny because you just so that's mo there's a moment that just like you just don't see it. Um, and then but then the director, Vodka uh, uh, Goldwith, is yeah. a good friend. So it was a very comfortable set. So they were mm. laughing. You're just laughing all the time. He's not, he's not 
on stage all the time. She's not like the crazy, unstoppable persona that he's at. He's just calm and quiet. He does like to make people laugh. And I have to say, as my badge of honor, that he, after a couple of weeks, he will start, he will walk into set and start imitating me. He will imitate my accent. He will <laughs> imitate what I would say. And he will just like, la, 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 Horacio, la, 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 and he will just make, make fun of me. And I was like, Robin Williams is fucking mocking me right now. This is the best thing in the world. He went, and, It, it and has he to feel him. like a king. It's the coolest thing in the world. The coolest thing. And it's funny, when the day I met him, it, it, it was, I mean, the movie wasn't a school. The main, the, the, the set wasn't yes. a, a school. And he, he came in and it's like, it's Robin Williams. And you're in a classroom. I went on top of the desk and I salute him as Captain, Captain my Captain. Like, that's my <laughs> dash. Like, Captain my Captain. He was just so graceful. Like, I was like, it's like oh, that's wow. how I met Robin Williams. Is the most professional actor I ever worked with. I mean, he is just so amazing. He's so on top. And when you have a, that high level of professionalism, you have to go up to that level too. You know, it will walk and it will be ready to, to roll. So you, I could not fuss around. I cannot just like, I needed to be ready. And I needed to have the set for him and the director because everything needed to be in place. So I learned mm. so much with him. I, I think that I'm going to encourage people to watch the film, but the film has... A I saw it. It's one of my uh, favorite films. Is it? Yeah. It's amazing. It's one of the most beautiful movies ever. Oh, my God. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I was... I remember being so, like, it's so weird, and it's weird. so... Um, I was like, I couldn't believe they make movies like that. No, <laughs> no, there are not that many movies like that. That's precisely what's so weird. Yes, no. No. And I yeah. was like, wow, that exists. Yeah, I was very privileged, very, very privileged with that. Yeah, yes, but that experience is... But the thing is, now you know what happened in the movies. If whomever's watching it, they should watch it. But I, I, I noticed that it's when, when, if, when if it's a surprise, it just affects you differently than when you see the movie, what happened in the movie. Yeah, yeah, no, know. we're not going to spoil it for people. No, it's we're definitely it, not going to spoil it's it because wonderful. it's uh, it's yeah. one of the best finales ever in film <laughs> world. That's that's what we're going to say. Wow. We're going to just say that, wow. and we're going to get people to watch it. Well, yeah, exactly. But but now I'm going to tell you something that you're not going to edit out. But um, yes, the fact that the way the kid dies and the way Robin died is very similar. Uh, yeah. And that happened just a few years after our movie. And I wonder if, uh, because, uh, do, I don't know, I, maybe you remember, because I think that scene is memorable. Very. It's when he actually, when he actually takes him out and he breaks down. I was mm -hmm. in, I was on set. It was just him and me in the camera. Mm. They put the sound, everybody was out. And he said, are you ready? Are you ready? I'm and I like the thing, everybody's out. Um, so I, I am with him, my, my, my operator, my, from Ripun, I'm with him, and I'm just feeling it, and I'm just, and he just breaks down, and he goes down. I felt the energy through him, through the lens, through me. I felt it, I just could not, I was sobbing, sobbing, I was just, I could not, I, 
I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I mean, when, after that scene, we need, we need to take a break because the energy in that room was massive. That's just one take. He just did it once. He, he, was, he, he didn't know where he was going to go and he was just, and I know that there is something connected with that, with that movie in that moment. I saw it. I felt it. It's just devastating. Just that's, I hope that it's not, that, I hope that that was not what gave him the idea or, or, or the, I just hate that this is the most that that is you know the the most unbelievable part of my career you know this that this is the movie that you know that that I like brings up that I bring up or or that it just really sets me in, in my career because it's just it's just so sad it's really sad and then like it's not that I make a, a regular comedy with him I make a movie that has all the elements that he he went he went out. Well, I don't know. I have a weird relationship with death. And it's interesting because we're talking on Day of the Dead. Oh, my God, it's today. Oh, my God. I think I'm not going to edit that part out, actually. Uh-huh, I'm going to leave what, it in. Yes, because now it? it's becoming important uh, uh-huh, in a whole different your... way. Um, mm-hmm. I think that you're saying that you're kind of in a way upset or, or bothered by the fact that you were in some way maybe part of what led to his passing in some weird way and that scene was so powerful yeah i mean a, a kind of a witness in a, in a sense yeah and i think and obviously when somebody takes their life it's absolutely tragic but at the same time I don't know, the fact that you were there in that moment with him, in that filming that scene, and you were present, and you held the space for him, is meaningful. I never saw it that way. I never, never saw it that way, no. Relationship with death is so intimate. Yes. Yeah. Um, if it were differently, uh, you know, it would be just another scene, of a tragic scene, etc., etc. Like any other movies, you know, you just set up the film, the scene, etc. Um, but in this case, it, it, it just has another context, you know. Um, I did not write the scene, and so, um, you know, I never, I never talked to the director, the director about that. Um, I only just, you know, call him and we share the moment and we talk. Um, obviously, he was just so moved. Very strange also is sometimes you, you I mean, you know that Robin Williams is, you know, is, is a master, is, is so admired. But also being connected by, by, connected to him, I received so many phone calls. People that knew that I was, that I worked with him, they were reaching out to me. That, I mean, because he's just so influential, you know, that they were like calling me. I was like, oh, wow. I, I mean, I was very, very devastated. I was moved. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's very, very strange experience mm-hmm. to be part of him in that way. So distance in a way. Um, we. Uh, but I'm sure we, people also made the connection well, to yeah, that scene. Because, no, no, that many people make the connection or, or at least didn't, didn't tell me about the connection. I mm-hmm. make the, I'm making the connection now. They're talking to you. I don't don't really bring it up that much. Uh, no, people were just... You didn't make it right away? Uh, no, I did. When it I happened? Did. Yes, I did. Yeah. I did. I did. Because it was too obvious and too close. Um, yeah. Well, we shot the movie, and then the next day we were in Sundance. Um, 
the critics loved the movie. I mean, everybody loved him, and there were people saying that that was just one of his best movies and best performances. Yeah, you know, that's a lot to say. It is, but it's yeah. I'm there um, with them. Yeah, it's just <laughs> so not mainstream movie that you know, like who's going to rent that movie? It's just like it's not. Well, a mainstream I think movie. that's wh- that's why it was maybe so real for him maybe that's why he gave such a brilliant and he always is brilliant he's always but i don't know like that performance is just i think that's why i loved it so much me personally because it's just so him yeah i mean his his method was i just never could never figure it out because he was like has a very very little conversation with the director and there was no that much of a uh, I don't know he was just ready and he would just go and he would just ask questions like you think that da, 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 da. Uh, but when for that scene in particular yeah he knew that was going to be tough so yeah. he prepared me and I let it he prepared you yeah he, he said that he, yes we, we said like you know he, said, he just asked me if I was ready and if I was, if I was okay and if I was mm-hmm. ready and uh, he also knew that I mean the way I led the, the scene, I didn't I didn't want to be to show much, so I, I intentionally mm-hmm. made it very dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a moment when uh, he goes into the floor, the camera goes up, and I just you can you can't help it because I'm just looking for framing and stuff. And he just gets goes off the light a little bit, and just and I am in tears. He's in tears, and it's like Robin. Look for the light. Look for the light. Uh, like in my accent, also. Look for the light. The light is to your right, or something like. Just look for the light, and do you see that same moment? It's, it's just like that. He's like totally in pain, and he follows what I ask him, and he just like he just moves himself up, and he just gets in the light. For me, it's one of the most extraordinary thing in my entire life. Because I am telling Robin Williams, look for the light. You know, I just so much appreciate that for me as a filmmaker. You know, it's like, I'm just, yeah. so that's one of those little tokens that you have in your life that you cherish. And it's the beauty of it is that you know that you created that in collaboration with him. Yeah. You set the thing, you gave him the space, and then he did his thing as yeah. part of and his Yeah, and job. also, I, I can't, you know, I can't take, you know, that it's, the director and himself are just doing it and I'm just like putting a little bit of a little trouble of course you know of course but the 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 fascinating part about it is that somebody who's watching it is getting a pinch of emotion and starts crying in that moment or gets the (gasps) moment in that moment yeah because that was created but they don't even know why no one knows, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no one knows. And that's such a and that's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. Wow. Amazing stuff. I could talk to you <laughs> forever. But I do want to get to <laughs> We've been talking forever. <laughs> I know, and I'm so grateful. Do you have like a little bit more time for me? Sure. Yeah, we need yeah, we need to get We to do the... need to wrap up because I still need to edit it, but I do want you to tell me about the the movie that you're doing right now. Can you give me like the elevator pitch? Like, what's the what's the movie? What are you doing? We are uh, in the road. It it is well that it took us almost a month and a half of then 
then uh, degrading or um, fine tuning, fine tune the ideas. Um, but everything started because we're just saying, um, what does it mean to be an American? I just don't know. We don't understand. This is like we're like Martians here. Perfect. Uh, I love it. And that's what I was like. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting, but like that's exactly what I thought it was. And I'm glad that I am on it because it's a Panamanian cinematographer and a Russian filmmaker making a movie about what it means to be American. Go figure. And uh, I think, and, and that's the thing, and that's why I'm doing this podcast. And actually, uh, we didn't get to that part because we got sidetracked. <laughs> but I do ask my guests, like, do you feel American? And Sorry. what does it mean to you to be American? And that's why it's called We the Aliens, because we oh my actually- God. Oh, my God. I didn't, oh my God, I didn't realize that. Oh my God, that is so <laughs> funny. <laughs> oh my god yes because we're not born here americans they know they're americans and they are like yeah duh i'm american but, uh, it's not, but, but for but, us it's not as obvious like we it's not have as obvious, to but it's not, find a is, way it's not as obvious to them either because it's when you start pressing pressure pressure the question that is it's, okay duh it's american yes i was born is they cannot come out with really an explanation of why they're trying to explain the American idea and it, it's just hard because it just has so many shapes so many variations so many it's like and that is a that is what's apparently it's, that's what is so brilliant about this anyone can at a certain point can call themselves Americans and we have met tons of people who are not born here and they call themselves American and that's mm -hmm. that, that's the, the interesting part of all this and yes, we just wanted to understand that. And um, in my personal, in my personal, the personal, the, the reason I'm doing this personally is because I I feel that I sidetracked myself for a very long time, just try to conform of the idea of what a cinematographer in the United States is and Hollywood is. So I kept trying to play the game in a way that I was already set up to lose because I was just trying to follow, I, I fill out a pattern that it was not designed for me. So I... Well, it's hard to say that you were losing. You've done hard, a lot from of out, work it's from, from and outside, you've been prolific. From outside looks like that. I am, might be prolific, but I am not really the hot cinematographer that I was set up to be because I mm. sort of like went on and got a little comfortable and mm. um, that's number one. Number two, I got married, started uh, in, in, in uh, my partner's career was very, very important and he has made an extraordinary career, uh, like huge, huge, huge career. Um, what does he do? He's, he is a, uh, a professor at Yale, and he's mm. a researcher. He has a gigantic center. He has a program in uh, in schools in the United States, and, 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 and he's, he has a book and a program from emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence is changing the world. And uh, he is the leading person in, the, in emotional intelligence. And, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's like he is like huge. I mean, but like it, that's another story. But then. 
Then so yeah. I thought at a certain point that, yeah, you can do the same thing. I can just move to New Haven, to Connecticut and be at Yale and just be comfortable. But then I can just go back and forth to Hollywood and just make movies and then start being two movies a year, then one movie a year, then a TV movie. And it's just like, I just got dissipated because I got comfortable. And mm. uh, I was not as hungry as I was before then. I was unstoppable. Uh, before yeah. I, then I started like, okay, I just get some meetings when I go to LA. Uh, and then just people start forgetting about you. And I have that, that this, this creative energy. So then I, at the end of last year, I wanted to like, okay, it's photography. I just, because in Hollywood, just as a cinematographer, I need so many elements to be in place for me to really success, succeed. I think I got to, my voice says, just take it easy to something that you have more control that you don't have to be playing the game or begging or 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 kissing ass in order to get a project or whatever something that you can just, you can fully control and uh went back to my very very origin still photography still photography for me was very 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 traumatizing because i could move the camera but i could not tell the story on a still picture it was very very hard and i thought it was not in me so in the last two years, I started digging and looking inside me about on still photography. And actually, I started learning that, yes, I could also tell stories in one frame. For me, the fact that COVID had gave me a lot of space, creative space. Because one of the things, if you're a Hollywood person, if you are in, in, in show business, you always, always, always torture by the fact that someone else is doing something somewhere that you're not part of. Yep. Or someone is getting hired for a project that you're supposed to be running for after da 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 da. Mm -hmm. This time, it's like, okay, no one's making movies. No one's doing anything. I don't have to worry about this. Mm -hmm. Every time I started uh, trying to research or learn something, I, it's just in the back of my head. Oh my God, I should be in LA. I should be doing this. So I should be... Uh, networking, da 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 da. That was not the case. So I relax, and in the moment that I relax, I start meditating and I start listening to my inner voice again, the way I always used to, like grab the camera. And then the Black Life Matters starts coming out, and mm -hmm. I against the odds and against the family saying, "What are you doing?" Da 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 da. But tell me, what is it you want to do? I says, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I just want to go out. And I just got in a train and started going down to to the marches. And I started finding, again, I started like, oh, this is where I need to start doing. This is what I need to start doing. This is the thing. Again, just listening to your voice. And I actually, out of everyone that I know in the film business, I said, the crazy Russian guy, I need to talk to him. And I sent them a text. She Carol, I think I'm going to go to LA, pick up my car. I've been taking some pictures. I've been making pictures of the of Black Lives Matter. So I think I can just do something similar across while we're driving. We can take like two weeks. And, and I, I said, I'm not sure exactly. I, he, he's saving that text. <clears throat> I think it's important. I'm not sure what I'm doing, but I think I'm going to drive across and I'm going to make some photography. Well, that's kind of how he described it to me. When <laughs> that, yeah, literally. And, then and I was like, what? <laughs> 
<laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> he did not say, what is that? What is it that you're doing? What, what, what's the purpose? No. Yes. Let's do it. Great. And we're going to make a movie and we're going to do this and we're going to call it 2020 Americans. And this is going to be based on, on the, uh, uh, the book Americans. And this is going to be great. And blah, 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 blah. That, oh, that, that's the first thing that I heard from him. Five minutes later, two hours later, he's sending me a proposal saying, making a, like, okay, and I'm making a web, website and we're going to call it to America and there was just going to be a movie. And it's like, oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so, I just want to <laughs> take my little camera and I just don't want to make a movie because I'm just like, I just like, I, it just is too much for me. I'm just doing too many films and not doing too many films, but it's just, it's been, devastated for me and it's, I just need to just to listen to what my spirit is saying da, 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 da. yeah but it doesn't matter I'll do it I will bring the camera and then, well, we'll just do it and, and then if you're going to call 2020 America it's like yeah then, then I just gave up immediately because it was right it's like yeah and then, mm-hmm. okay so I'm going to do I'm going to make 2020 of course it's 2020 American so I'm going to make 2020 portraits across the nation uh, 2000 picture hair portraits it's not that easy That's no by now it's not there's a lot those are a lot of pictures I I want to get a little bit into the into the heart of the of the thing what is it that you're looking for in your in this story in these portraits I don't know <laughs> okay but I'm buying is it is it true uh, though? Portraits, I think you're you're. I I I don't know because I I I learned. Okay, myself. I'll I'll I, ask you differently. I'll ask you differently. Uh, now that you've been traveling and doing them for a little bit, what are you seeing? In portraits or in the interviews and in the in the asking questions? Are you seeing different things? No, I'm seeing the same thing. I see humanity. I see humans. I see people who love their family. I see people who are, are respectful. I see people that are love their country and they interpret their country differently, so they see it differently. I just in love with every. We fall in love with every single person that we in, in, in interview. Well, but let's let let let's uh, let's uh, zoom in on this a little zoom bit in. because. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think everybody in the States and actually everybody all over the world uh, felt the the shockwaves from the Black Lives Matter this year. Yes. I think that the, the Black Lives Matter is an incredible movement that at least for the areas that we've been traveling across, is it doesn't feel as as pathetic or as scary as you just being in your apartment and they're just saying the the British are coming, the British are coming, you know? Oh, that's like, you know... The, the Russians the, the, are coming. <laughs> or the Russians are coming. Just If you wake up early and read the New York Times, or at least the New York Times headlines, you sort of get a get a glance of what is happening and how the New York Times sees the world and how they report yeah. the world. And then, but if you open the, turn the TV on, the entire day is about... Those couple articles, and then all the cycle, the news cycle is about that, and they go on and on and on. And then the news that we are saying that our news are not news are our uh, opinions, 
and the entire day over and over and over and over are opinions over the same thing and they opinion and they set up so they can answer, get the same answers. Uh, I'm fed up with that. And that's why I also wanted to hear from firsthand and go out and, and, and see of my, my, myself. Uh, but it was like, and there's like this crazy Russian and this crazy Panamanian um, uh, just showing up. And I think because we were foreigners, because we're aliens, they sort of like, they just like, they couldn't, cannot figure us out. And then maybe that we don't have an agenda and we don't. So they really trust us. It's just kind of weird. I don't know why they trust us. I really don't. But they do. And I think we trans we're transparent. We're really, really transparent. And we say, I have, I have tell. I mean, I, I, tell, I tell the, uh, the, the right, the right wingers or the Trumpers. I say in front, right in front. You know, I'm, I'm from Connecticut or I live in Los Angeles. I say I'm, I'm a liberal. Uh -huh. So it's not that so I'm pretending I'm like I'm a Trumper. No, nothing. Yeah, nothing. They know I'm a liberal. What else? I'm coming from LA. I have a little red mini, and I'm <laughs> Panamanian for God's sake. You know, I, 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 well, let me ask you one last thing and then I'll let you go because I know you need to go to the rally. Um, yeah. uh, has your how has your sense of what it means to be American evolved? What I'm discovering is just like you, uh, you're constructing America your way as it goes. And that is like my, America is just in the making day by day, last of the day. So um, it's, it's, and, and it's just in the making from every possible angle. And, and I think that it's just part of a, being a teenager where your body is just stretching and it hurts. I, 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 always, I always knew that it's just sort of like an in, in the making, but now I know that it's in the making. It's just like nothing else. It's, it's just in the making. It keeps, it keeps processing, it's, it's, it's just questioning itself. And that is the beauty of this country. It's just not set. It's, not, it's just it's inventing itself as it goes at, by the minute. And it's just keep reshaping and reinventing and refighting. And, and, and all the forces, all that, all that the forces are doing is reshaping. There's hope. There's hope. And that is our last question in every one of the interviews. We're asking the same question. So I'm not like choosing questions here. And I was asking the same set of questions. And my last question is, do you feel that is hope for America? Do you feel that is hope for you? Do you believe there's hope? People are hopeful. People believe that this country is going to keep moving and keep going. There is hope. And it's all, it's all about, not about the politics, it's about humanity. I think that's a great place to wrap. I think we got there. Yeah. I think that's it. <laughs> Oh, Thank crazy. you so much, Horacio. This was wonderful. That's it for today. I hope it was interesting. I hope it gave you some light. Stay safe. Stay sane. Stay warm. Get off social media. Do yourself a favor for a minute. Don't drink too much this week. Meditate, hydrate, wear a mask. And, you know, one last time for this cycle, vote. And at this point, in person. And share this podcast with a friend. Uh, they need some comfort food for their ears, too. 
And remember, we're here to stay. We'll find our way. Thank you for listening. Love you all. Peace.